It's June 17, 2020. Welcome to the new reality edition of Bite Marks Cafe, where we serve you the first bite of today's science, technology, and innovation. I'm Bert Lum. First up, uh, Blue Startups is hosting a discussion called Fundraising in the COVID Area with Canaan Principal Rafi Jaspar Asaoka. And it's, come, it's their upcoming um, Insights for Resilience webinar. Uh, Rafi will discuss what has changed in the current fundraising environment and what can entrepreneurs expect from venture capitalists today given the shifting social and economic landscape. And this is going to take place on Monday, June 22nd, which is uh, this coming Monday, from 1 p.m. to 2 p.m., and I will put the link up on the show notes for later on tonight. And you can get there at uh, bitemarkscafe.org. And you can probably go to uh, Blue Startups, um, bluestartups.com and check it out there too as well. Uh, but I'll put it up on the show notes for the direct link to the Eventbrite. And of course, now I want to welcome Dan Masutomi from Hawaiian Telecom, Senator Kalani English, representing Hana, Upcountry Maui, Molokai, and Lanai as well as Kaho'olawe, and of course, Bill Sides, who's part of the HANA Broadband Committee, and they're here to tell us about a project that actually has been going on for a while, and we'll let them tell you how long <laughs> this has been discussed, but it's the fiber run all the way to HANA. So I want to welcome you all to uh, Bite Marks Cafe. Hi, aloha. Aloha. Thanks. Now, uh, let's see. I guess, Senator, you know, uh, you're 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 from Hana. You represent the the entire sort of East Maui as well as Molokai Lanai Kaholabe. This project uh, is something that has been talked about for many years. Am I correct? Well, you know, when I was first on the Maui County Council in what 1996 or 97, um, I put in a fiber backbone in Hana. So we actually do have a fiber back backbone there, from the school all the way to Hamoa Village. But then it comes to a you know, like a um, well, microwave going out. So mm-hmm, we, within mm-hmm. Han, it's like an intranet. We can have very high speed. Well, we put that in in the in the late nineties. Um, you know, so we've been trying to work on this from back at that time, all the way till now. Now the technology evolved over time, um, and you know the people's um, views of what this should be and the need for it has changed as well. So I think you know we are at the point now where East Maui. So I have to say that. You know, Hana is one of the villages, many villages, the largest village on the east side, but I represent a huge area. Mm-hmm. If you stand at the airport in Kahului and look up towards Haleakala, I represent all of that, including that airport in Kahului. So, yes, we've been trying for, I would say, over 20 years to, more than that, 25 years to get um, equal access to that side of the island. Right, and, and of course, uh, for people that don't know, I mean, Hana is like on the other side of uh, Haleakala. When you look at the you look at the mountain, I mean, you got to drive all the way along Hana Highway. So it's a it's a pretty um, uh, long drive, and and of course, uh, enjoyable. Once you get there, it's it's uh, it's really it typifies sort of rural Hawaii. Um, let's see, Dan, uh, no, let's start with Bill. Bill, because you're you're a longtime resident in in Hana, and uh, uh, you've uh, I guess formed like a, a Hawaii a Hana Broadband Committee. So you've been you've been talking about this for a while as well. So from a, from a resident in Hana, I mean, what have what have you seen happen over the course of the the, the you know the past years? 
Well, yeah, actually, actually, Kalani English is a resident of Hana as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, you know, uh, when we started out, at least my involvement came out of the um, fact that I was on the um, Hana uh, Business Council. And the, the flower industry and a lot of, of businesses like that that need quick access for their invoicing and stuff, they were um, relying on this new incoming cable. And the connection with it was through a microwave dish. And... They've, we've kind of formed this group to get the company, which was Oceanic Time Warner Cable, to improve their service over that microwave dish. And we did get that accomplished. They improved it quite dramatically. It was getting very low, like, you know, some people were even getting 500 kilobyte downloads and others were getting up to 10, and that was about it. So they brought it up like to 50 and 70 now, and so it's a lot better, but... We've always needed that backbone, and that was what we'd been working on. And I'd been working on Dan way back about five years ago or so, and he, we were talking about bringing in on the north end, but that geographically didn't work out. So they're going to connect it up on the on the south end and come through, and it'll serve K&I and Ahiku, Lino, and all the places like Kalpo, long stretch of small villages. And so it's not just for Hana, but it's, I guess the main fiber is going to come into Hunt and then go out from there to all the villages. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, It'll be we'll significant for the kids. Definitely want to talk a little bit more about the actual uh, route itself. But, Dan, you know... You know, when I was working at Hawaiian Tel, you know, these were days when uh, Hana was still on the on the discussion table, and and actually getting, you know, like uh, Senator English said, we, you know, they've already got like a fiber in in the greater sort of Hana area, but actually getting connectivity to Hana from elsewhere. I mean, what's the what's the challenge there? What currently exists? Well, currently exists, and Bill alluded to. Um, what Spectrum had with their microwave system. We mm-hmm. also have a microwave system um, that um, provides a backbone into HANA. And, um, and you know, similarly, we have fiber within HANA itself, but it all goes to the uh, microwave radio system. And with the growth of broadband, you know, it, it has become a congestion point um, um, simply because, um, you know, Bandwidth grows, you know, across the East Maui by 2% every year. So um, we need a different medium that has more unlimited um, potential and scalability, which is why we're looking at fiber now. So, so, so Dan, I mean, what, you know, what are some of the limitations with, with microwave? I mean, you know, if people are curious, like what are the, the typical bandwidths that you could actually deliver on a microwave? Yeah, so the typical bandwidth, um, uh, you know, it, similar to fiber, you know, the bandwidth is spread over a spectrum. But with microwave, your spectrum is much smaller uh, than it is with fiber. So, and you're also dealing with distances. So our microwave shot actually goes from East Maui over to the Big Island. And then from Hawaii Island, it jumps on our fiber network to get to the outside world. So um, crossing the ocean at that distance kind of limits your bandwidth also. So, you know, you can get anywhere from, you know, 2 gigs to 5 gigs, but um, really anything over that, um, you're putting in bigger and more expensive systems. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it is is subject to... Uh, 
well, is it subject to weather and is it subject to, you know, let's say water, moisture in the air? I mean, uh, going over the ocean, I don't know how many miles that is, but that's a, I would think that there would be some um, degradation of the signal over that, uh, over that channel. Definitely weather uh, affects it. Um, without getting too technical, we try to minimize that by putting up um, Instead of just a pair of antennas, we put actually four antennas up with spatial diversity Mm -hmm. so that if one of the signals um, is lost, the other antennas are there to pick up the signal. So, um, you know, things like that mitigate, you know, the problems with the weather and stuff, but, you know, it it still affects the the signal. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, Senator, you know, in terms of uh, getting uh, capacity, through fiber, through infrastructure, uh, obviously it's an investment on the part of the the carrier to to actually put that money into getting to locations. I mean, from a from a um, from your vantage point as a as a senator, I mean, what what would you or what have you done perhaps to help compel that to to happen, given that it's still a business decision? Well, yes, it's a business decision on behalf of those companies, but they're also are required to do what's called the last mile for the mm-hmm. telephone company. You know, and for the cable companies, I think it's the last five miles. Um, so, you know, they've taken federal money, and part of that um, acceptance of that federal money was that they have to complete these areas. So, you know, they're, it's sort of like, let's go back to, you know, another technology in the 2030s and into the 40s, where they were doing rural electrification and they were doing telephone. So in the days of monopoly, Right, the the federal government has subsidized quite a bit um, the rollout of infrastructure to rural areas, uh, and so back then it was electricity and telephone. Now, connectivity uh, and good high-speed connectivity um, is an essential part of part of the critical infrastructure for people. Take a look at yesterday when T-Mobile went down nationwide. Mm-hmm. It affected AT&T. It affected um, all the other carriers, and you know, people. It was huge disruption in people's lives, in business, in commerce. Likewise with this. So, uh, yeah, from my vantage point, you know, the the amount of um, resources that are put in um, by the federal government, and you know, some by us, but for the most part, what the state does is we have you know given in exchange for the rights of way. It goes back to 1954 territorial agreement mm-hmm. in the days of um, monopoly, right? So now we're in the days of times of competition. But in the days of monopoly, um, the territory signed an agreement with the four counties and the electric company and the telephone company in exchange for the use of the government rights of way. So we own the, the airspace and a lot of times where they put their poles uh, in exchange for us giving that to them they will go to the last mile. And so, you know, HANA, for example, East Maui connected. We used to have our own electric company out there until the late 60s. That finally connected to Maui Electric and became part of it, I think, 1968. Um, But before that, we produced our own electricity in HANA, and we had our own separate grid. Part of this was, you know, to create that type of connectivity, and so that's why the federal government has uh, these types of grants that Hawaiian Telephone, uh, you know, 
clientele has. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that's what they're using to connect into uh, these these remote areas. So, you know, and if you start from a business model, if you look at it, um, Hana Town itself has about 800 people. The immediately surrounding villages adds another four. So you say 1,200 to that five. But there's about four to 5,000 people on all the villages elsewhere. So now, from a business model, all those people that were not connected before in all of these remote villages are greater than the customer base that would be in Hana proper. Right, right. No, that's great. That's that's good. And I do wanna I do wanna talk to uh, Dan a little bit about the uh, Connect America Fund because that's uh, part of the the um, uh, funding that's gonna enable this. But uh, before we get to that, wanna hold that thought. We'll be right back after this short break to continue our conversation with Dan Masutomi, Senator Kalani English, and Bill Sides about getting fiber to Hana and all the villages along the way. This is Bite Marks Cafe. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors, locations, and Honolulu Waldorf School. Welcome back. This is Bite Marks Cafe. I'm Bert Lum, and if you're just joining us, we're talking to Dan Masatomi from Hawaiian Telecom. Senator Kalani English, representing representing Hana, Upcountry, Maui, Molokai, Lanai, and Kaho'olawe. And, of course, Bill Sides, part of the Hana Broadband Committee. And we're talking about how to get fiber to Hana. And, and we were previously to the break, we were talking about, you know, the the business model and the financing. And and uh, Senator English uh, uh, talked a little bit about the, the funding from the federal uh, agencies and and Dan, I know, I know, uh, Hawaiian Tel got Connect America Fund, so that's probably a a good part of what is uh, helping to fund getting the project of of uh, laying fiber out to, to Hana. Uh, yeah, absolutely, um, Bert. Um, in fact, without the Connect America funds um, to help su- subsidize the costs, you know, a project like this probably uh, would be unlikely. Um, um, it, it needs. You know, with, with the federal funding that we are getting, um, it makes the investment very comparable to a build we would do in an urban area like on Oahu. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and for people that you know, if they take take for granted broadband or internet access, I mean, the kind of work that actually needs to be done for you to run fiber uh, to a location, Dan. I mean, what is it? What is involved? I mean, whether it's trenching or you got you got crews out there, you got fiber that you have to lay and splice and, and connect? I mean, what are some of the things that are involved with actually laying the fiber? Uh, well, there's many steps involved. And one of the first um, when you approach an area like East Maui is finding the right route to get there. Um, you know, as, as Bill mentioned, uh, when we first started talking, um, Hawaiian Tel was exploring options going along the north route. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and finding what the best path would be. And we are looking at a lot of different things. And Bill was helping us uh, look at some of these options. And, uh, for example, you know, there's a lot of um, water ditches to bring water from East Maui over to um, Central Maui. Um, and we were thinking maybe we could follow one of these water easements um, to get to East Maui. So, um you know, there's a lot of uh, research that is involved in finding the most optimal path. And then um, after that, we have to do a lot of feasibility studies on, um, 
you know, once we establish a pole line or once we decide to uh, trench a cable or or even put in an undersea cable to reach a certain location, um, you know, um, we have to survey the area. We have to see what um, archaeological sites may be in the path. Um, we have to go through the necessary permitting. Um, sometimes it involves um, uh, more extensive em environmental studies. Um, so, um, yeah, a lot of pre-work before you even get to the engineering and the logistics of actually building the route. No, no, that's a, that's a, great, that's a great point. Bill, Bill, so, uh, you know, Dan, Dan said that you provided some support for understanding the, the nuances of the various paths. I mean, what, you know, tell me a little bit about the North Path. I mean, that... That's a, lo a lot rainier, right? I mean, and, and a lot more challenging. Well, that's the, um, you know, the, the uh, windward side where you get the most rain. Uh, the, that's the problem we had with the dish was it was going up through an annual rainfall of 120 inches. So it gets a lot of rain over that side. But uh, down where Dan was talking about, it's more like the geography. The, the hills go kind of more straight up and down there. So... Uh, and those ditches were just amazing. I don't know if anybody's looked into it other than than a few people, but they were the, they put in those ditches through mountains and in siphons, and they were just in a, a geographical wonder to put them in. And so when they try to maintenance the lines up above the road mm -hmm. where they can go straight, it it I think that's what Dan is talking about. It just wasn't cost effective. But what was the what was the challenge with the with the waterways? If that was such a, a well, like I say, some of those waterways are not just straight ditches that you just lay them in. Oh right, they right. go th they go through the mountains, and then some of them have what they call siphons. They'll go into the mountain, they'll go down maybe a hundred feet, and then go across through the mountain, and then back up the other side, and then continue. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And and I just couldn't believe those existed until I saw it on the maps. And so it's not a straight ditch that I think. Dan and I originally thought that it would be that you just, and it would be, you know, somewhere you could ex access it real easily. You can't, you can't just lay a line in the ditch or, or just put a pole over it. And there's big valleys and so just the geography didn't lend itself to that side without getting close to the road mm -hmm. and run into a lot of easement issues. Mm -hmm. Yeah, now, Bert, we we're hoping for a, a straight shot, um, but um, as Bill mentioned, you run into uh, major ravines and major mountains that um, back in the day they just, you know, um, created a hole through the mountain, and uh, it's uh, it was probably an engineering feat at the time, but it, it posed barriers to us to place in our cable. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, so. By by nature, was that route kind of the first choice, and then you you concluded that it was too difficult. And why was the south route not considered or became the second alternative? Well, the south route, um, you know, it is drier, but it does have its own issues and its own challenges. So, you know, there's a lot of areas in the south route which uh, get washed out during heavy rains right. and floods. Right. And um, so we were trying to avoid that um, um, and, and find a path along the north um, where, you know, it might be more difficult to build, but um, the um, the runoffs and the um, the flash flooding is a little more uh, known mm -hmm. as to what rev 
ravines and what rivers it would go through. The south is a little more uh, wild and um, unpredictable. And so, just curious, I mean, how would you engineer to accommodate possible uh, flash floods and, and uh, you know, the threat of uh, washouts? Yeah, it'll take um, special engineering designs um, through those sections. If we're going aerial, then, um, you know, we're going to use um, uh, special types of fiber, self-support strand fibers that can span great distances mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to um, where we wouldn't have to place a pole in between and we could span across um, uh, these areas and not have to worry about it. And um, or if it's too far, we're looking at some directional bore options uh, to go under mm -hmm. the problem, and um, and then pop out at the other end. Oh no, that's 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 really interesting. Now, now, Bill, I do want to I want I want to ask you a little bit about the uh, villages along the way because uh, I've been corrected that it's not necessarily a, a Hana project; it's a East. Maui project. But before we do that, again, we're going to hold that thought. We have another break coming up. We'll be, uh, we'll have a short break and we'll continue our conversation with uh, Dan Masatomi, Senator Kalani English, and Bill Sides. This is Bite Marks Cafe. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, whose contributors help Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to the St. Andrews Schools, which includes the Priory School for Girls, the Prep for Boys, and Queen Emma Preschool. Welcome back. This is Bite Marks Cafe. I'm Bert Lum, and if you're just joining us, we're talking to Dan Masatoni from Hawaiian Telcom, Senator Kalani English representing East Maui, and of course, uh, Bill Sides from the HANA Broadband Committee. And of course, we're talking about broadband and getting to rural communities along the way to HANA. And, and Bill, you know, you've, uh, you've uh, educated me about some of the opportunities that might exist along the route to, to HANA. And and uh, even, you know, Senator English, I mean, we talked about this, too. You, you know, what are, what are some of the, I'll give Bill a chance, uh, what are some of the communities along the way, and, and how might they benefit from uh, this connectivity? Well, uh, I've, I've, well, let's see. I think I'd bring up the fact that there's a lot of bridges that are being replaced right now. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the county bridges run out from Hana, you know, the south direction, and the state ones run the north direction. And the reason why I'm bringing up the bridges is because they're repairing them all, and we've had one go out already, and now we have a pandemic, but there's a possibility that we could lose another bridge rather easily. So uh, the issue I've kind of focused on is trying to make sure that the students get connected up with the uh, uh, teachers. And right now, places like Uliino and Nahiku and and uh, Kay and I and uh, Kalpo and all these places, they don't, they don't have those connections. So uh, with the broadband, is, and um, they, can't, they can't be taught from, from home. So it, with the, what they're putting in with this fiber optic backbone going all the way up to Kay and I is an opportunity for us to get the, uh, the kids uh, up to, to the same level as the, as the people are in Oahu as far as being in touch and, and being able to go online and, as all the other kids do, and they, they won't be left in the dust mm -hmm. uh, technologically in the future. So that's what I'm kind of concerned with and looking at how we can tie the kids from these rural villages into the school system in, in the event that we lose a bridge or have another pandemic and how they can be taught at home yeah. and access to home. 
So, so Senator English, you 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 were saying something? No, you know, I just I'm sorry. Yeah, the, the place name is not Ule. You know, Ule means penis. It's oh. not the red penis. It's Ula Ino, right? Ula Ino. I just have to correct people on 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 Hawaiian pronunciation. I always butcher the language. Have a difference in meaning, but. You know, we have a lot of villages along the east side and all the way around. And, you know, so villages on, on uh, starting from the Kahului side, you know, the, the connectivity ends um, around um, Kaupakalua going out. And from there, you have all these communities, um, uh, Honopo, uh, uh, Puelo, Kailua, Hanavana, um, Waipio, all these very, very small areas with pockets uh, of people. So, you know, there'll be five families in there, 10 families in an area. You go down a road and there's, you know, a village of 200 people. But if you don't know they're there, you would just think it's the bushes. Mm -hmm. So all of these people along these way, you know, from this going out, have varying levels of, um, most have some form of electricity uh, and yeah, telephone, I think a lot of them do, but some villages don't either. So, you know, this would be uh, sort of giving them the footing to enter the modern age uh, and, you know, be part of the, the communication network and uh, network that's happened out there. And then going on the backside, you have all of these very, very small villages. But, you know, and that's why working with um, Hawaiian Tel on their uh, routing where they go will make a difference. Uh, for example, you know, right now they're looking at putting it along the highway but if, in Hawaiian homeland. But if they go up, they'll actually go where the community is and provide um, the people in Kaikinui, the Hawaiian homesteaders there with connectivity. Mm-hmm. But, you know, for the planners at Hawaiian Tel, they, they don't, you know, they don't know this. They're just looking at how to put it in. And that's why I've been working with them, saying let's put it in these particular areas which maybe you know, which then would service a lot of people. So we're trying to figure out how to get the most amount of service to the most amount of people. No, that's good to know. And and uh, you know, in in the last, I guess uh, we have about a minute and a half. But I wanted to give Dan a chance to talk a little bit about how you would plan along with what uh, Senator English is is talking about, as well as you know, what are some of the other rural communities that you're you're. Uh, looking to connect in the very near future? Yeah, sure. So um, for East Maui specifically, you know, we are coming from Kula, and we are going the south route to Kaupo, then up through Hana, and then all the way to Nahiku. So um, we're trying to cover as much of East Maui as possible um, with various uh, different jobs here and there. Folks along the main highway and the main road will definitely benefit. But, you know, we're working with Senator English and people like Bill to see how deep we can go towards the ocean or into the mountains to find um, these additional people that that don't live close to the the main road Mm -hmm. and and have pockets that we can uh, feed into. So um, I think we'll end up with a a good network for everybody um, um, in all of East Maui. And, you know, specific to, specific to your question on where we're going next, um, you know, uh, starting in July, uh, we have a crew ready to go out to Molokai. Um, 
Well, you know, Dan, I think that's going to be another show because I definitely want to talk about your plans to uh, service uh, Molokai. So, you know, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned it, and it's a reason for me to have you guys back on. Of course, Dan Masutomi is the Director of Network Optimization and Subsea Engineering over at Hawaiian Telka. Senator Kalani English represents Hana, Upcountry Maui, Molokai, Lanai, and Kaho'olawe. And, of course, Bill Sides is part of the Hana Broadband Committee. I want to thank you all for joining us today. And of course, thank you for listening to Bite Mars Cafe. Join us next week when we'll find out about Aloha Trace and contact tracing. If you miss any part of this edition, you can find the podcast of tonight's show on bitemarkscafe.org. And if you have any comments or suggestions, feel free to email me at bitemarks at gmail.com. Or you can find me on Twitter. I'm at bitemarks. Our engineer is David Chong. You can catch us on HPR One every Wednesday or anytime via the HPR app, iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. And of course, you stay awesome. We'll see you next week on another edition of Bite Marks Cafe. Yeah.